The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. Well, today I want to take a look back. We've got a lot of political issues that we've talked about and a lot of prognosticators in today's world, but I thought it might be interesting to sort of step back and listen to somebody who talked about our our culture and the cultural wars and all the things that were happening in our country uh, a number of years ago. And one of those that I think might be interesting to listen to today is somebody who ran for president in 1992. And many of you may know his name. Many of you have been around long enough in politics to uh, know who he is. And that's uh, Pat Buchanan, a very controversial figure, controversial conservative. Uh, He used to have his own program on MSNBC when it was not so liberal. In fact, he got kicked off of MSNBC because of his conservative views as they turned to being a far left um, uh, cable network. But in the early 1990s, uh, Pat Buchanan was talking about the cultural wars, and he wrote a book that I think is worth reviewing because it has some discussions about the world as it was then, and I think we still see the outcome of what he was predicting from what he saw in the early 1990s. And the book that he wrote back a number of years ago was called Suicide of a Superpower. Now, his basic premise is that civilizations die from suicide and not by murder. In other words, it comes from internal forces that have changed in a civilization. And we're certainly feeling that today as our country has become uh, more um, in conflict with each other. We've siloed ourselves. We don't have uh, common uh, beliefs about our own country and our patriotism and all those things. And he covers that in the book as the reasons why um the United States is ultimately heading towards uh, suicide, if you will, a breakup of our traditional values and our uh, traditional ways of life that we've known for uh, a couple hundred years. So I think he's very prescient in that he was looking forward from 1990 and talking about what he saw then. And a lot of people didn't like what he said. Uh, in fact, because of this book that he wrote, he was actually removed from MSNBC because it didn't represent the kind of values that they wanted to have on their program. So let me start uh, this discussion by asking um, Pat Buchanan why that title, Suicide of a Superpower. Well, because I think the West is uh, disintegrating. It's the greatest civilization the world has ever produced, and I think it is dying. Take a look at what happened from the day, for example, my father was born in 1905. Western empires controlled the entire world, We went through two world wars that carried off something like 100 million people, most of them Western peoples. And as a consequence, I think all these Western nations, they all lost their empires. Almost all have lost their armies and navies. They have lost their basic fundamental Christian faith. Certainly Europe, the Pope says, is a desert of godlessness. And as they have lost that, their culture has begun to disintegrate and the people have begun to die. Well, Mr. Buchanan, that's an interesting observation. A hundred million people died, most of which from World War II were uh, Western 
countries. Uh, Russia certainly had a large part of that, but Europe, United States, and other countries that would today share a lot of our uh, common values. Uh, but I think more than that, you're saying that those were killed in World War II as an example, but what's happening to those populations in uh, today's environment? There's not a single Western nation whose native-born population has a birth rate that will enable it to stay in its present form through this century. Take a country like Italy. It's got a birth rate. Each new generation is one-third smaller than the last. Russia is going to lose 25 million people between now and 2050. It's already lost 10 million since independence, say, in 1990. Japan is going to lose 25 million people. You go down there, these are U.N. statistics. They're based on fertility records that go back uh, when the nations began to die, basically to the mid-1970s. So I think you're going to see the West and its peoples shrink as a percentage of world population. Well, Pat Buchanan was one of the first to sort of raise this issue, but he was sort of shut down in the 1990s. People didn't want to hear about the changing demographics uh, the way the trends were moving in terms of the people and the population. But, um, Pat, what you're saying is that the developed countries, for the most part, the westernized countries, uh, their birth rates are dropping. They're going to be a smaller percentage of the overall population. So where do you see most of the um, uh, or the higher percentage developing then in what other countries, what other backgrounds, what other uh, cultures uh, do you see uh, rising up and being a more dominant part of this world. All of them, I think, will be predominantly in terms of their population by the end of this century, folks from the third world and from different cultures and civilizations. And the idea they're going to preserve Western culture and civilization, I think, is is really putting hope over experience. The book Suicide of a Superpower is divided up into several major and important segments that make the case for what Pat Buchanan is talking about. And let's talk about the very first segment of that. Uh, It's about immigration, which is, in today's world now, 30 years later, still a very important and hot topic that we have not fully resolved. But let me quote from the book. The European Christian culture of our country is shrinking, while mass immigration is altering the face of America forever. That's a pretty stark uh, prediction 30 years ago that we're seeing even more and more of it today. Um, But from the Buchanan perspective, uh, tell us a little bit more about past immigration versus present immigration, where, again, for our audience, present immigration uh, during this uh, original interview was like 30 years ago. So, uh, Pat, tell us about how things are different and give us a little bit of a historical perspective on the immigration in the United States, because all we ever hear uh, in today's world, the uh, 2020s, is that we're all immigrants and we all came here from someplace and we ought to have open borders. Well, the uh, past immigrations, let's take the, the large immigration that came in from 1890 to 1920. Those were folks, the Irish came in, of course, 1845 to 1849, the potato famine, huge numbers of them. Germans began coming in the later in the century. And then you had the folks from Italy, from Poland, from Slovakia, Jews from Russia and the Pale of Settlement. And all of those folks came into this country basically by 1924 when the immigration restrictions were imposed. And this terrified Woodrow Wilson 
and Theodore Roosevelt. However, we did have a melting pot then. One of the major elements of it was the parochial and public schools, which took these kids who didn't speak the language, and many of them came from broken families, and dropped them, immersed them into the America's popular culture and higher culture. They learned American literature, the American language, American history, American heroes, holidays, so that by 1960, 97% of the people in this country all spoke the English language. We all had basically the same Judeo-Christian values. 95% of the country was predominant, overwhelmingly Christian. African Americans were the most churched and Christianized of all. And so we had one country, one nation, one people. And it was an incredible achievement. You know, it's so easy for us not to know our history. We're not really taught that in school, and if we haven't lived through it. Sometimes we think things have always been the way uh, we see them today, or we just think that they're a certain way because that's what we're told in, in sort of the modern-day uh, shorthand media. But what you're saying is that after uh, the big immigration push from the Irish and the Germans and the rest of the Europeans, that our country actually stopped immigration about 1924 because of President uh, Wilson and, and Theodore Roosevelt. And we didn't really pick up on massive in- immigration again until about 1965. So there were like 40 years where people were able to assimilate, having come to this country uh, to uh, experience the the American dream, to try to live that American dream of prosperity and getting ahead and hard work. Is that what helped us, that people forget that we actually stopped the immigration process and allowed our country to sort of breathe and absorb the um, immigrants that came in? You've got 40 years there, and in addition to the 40 years' time of children and grandchildren, you've got these experiences folks went through, the invention of radio. We go through the Depression together, those tough times. We go through the war together, which I can remember as a little kid, the enormous patriotism everyone had. And then you go into the Cold War era, the early Cold War era, I would say to 1960, and you got an era of good feeling from Eisenhower and Kennedy. So what I hear you say is that we are a nation of immigrants, but that we actually stopped the mass immigrations that were occurring uh, in 1925, gave our country a chance over those 40 years to sort of assimilate, and people went through common experiences of the Depression and World War II and a patriotic nature of what this country was able to do. But then we also have some real hard times and some divisions, some significant division in this country in the early 1950s. There was a Truman-McCarthy era, you can call it, when politically we were at sword's point over what FDR had done and how we'd lost all the benefits of victory in World War II. But we were one nation and one people. So that McCarthy era started a breakout of political conflict going back and forth. I think part of the country was extremely worried about communism uh, taking over and root in many of our institutions. And he was over the line maybe as a um, as a far right uh, conservative trying to root this out. But, you know, some would say that it was needed because after World War II, communism was trying to catch up and trying to destroy us after the war was won and we had been allies in there. So, uh, Buchanan, what 
What happened after that? What do you see happening that is causing us to uh, uh, lose our common interests? Now, what's happened subsequent to that, and I don't want to be long-winded in this answer, is that your whole consensus that kept us together has collapsed. Uh, we no longer have a common faith. From the 1960s, all those revolutions in the 60s, one of them was a rejection of Christianity, rejection of our moral consensus and moral code. Sexual revolution, the anti-war revolution, which degenerated into part of it into anti-Americanism. The civil rights revolution, which is initially about equal rights, has now moved on to entitlement and privilege. So I think the things that held us together, I see them all basically disintegrating and you see society sort of breaking down and breaking apart, and I describe it as sort of balkanization of America. As we wrap up this segment of the program, I want to remind our audience that this interview was maybe 20 years ago, and Pat Buchanan had been speaking about these issues and concerns um, far before that, made a number of presentations in the 1992 uh, presidential campaign in his run then and before that uh, previously. So he just all put this into one book, but it had been some material and some ideas and thoughts and uh, explanations of what was happening in this country from a historical perspective, from a political perspective. So this is not anything that um, was new to him, uh, but he really describes what has happened in the United States today, that we are more balkanized, we are more siloed, we are more conflicted both at home and abroad, and we see the breakdown of those things that were of common interest to all of us, the things that bound us together, we are seeing the complete breakdown of that. So let's go to commercial. I want to come back and I want to continue with this, look back and seeing how people thought 20 or 30 years ago what was going to happen in this country and how those predictions are really coming true. And we don't have much time to turn it around. Be right back. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today, we are going back in time and we're taking a YouTube that was presented, uh, the ideas by Pat Buchanan. And Pat Buchanan at the time was called all sorts of names. He was certainly called a racist back then, a white supremacist. Uh, all the um, 
all the uh, terrible names that you can call somebody because he was trying to project our future based upon what he was seeing at the time of our cultural background. But if you look at his book that we're talking about here, which is The Suicide of a Superpower, he's not talking in any racist terms. He's talking about anybody that's coming to the United States in major numbers, giving them time to assimilate, to um, and we have to strengthen this idea of a melting pot and the common interests, and those things are breaking down. So uh, let's go back to Pat Buchanan and have him explain that um, none of this has anything to do with race. It has to do with a process of assimilating people into an American culture. But I do believe that it is, as I once said famously, it is far more easy to assimilate if you had a million Englishmen coming into Virginia than if you had a million folks, a million Zulu from my friend Chief Budalese's tribe. I mean, they have a hellish time assimilating them into South Africa where they've worked together or lived together for hundreds of years. Now, if you've got people from all over East Asia and Africa and Latin America that never before been assimilated, you need to have that basic melting pot needs to be more powerful than ever, stronger than ever, and you've got to have time to work with it. But our multicultural elites have thrown that out. People are urged to come into this country, retain their culture, their religion, their traditions, their customs, all the rest of it. So we are becoming like, I think increasingly, the Balkan Peninsula. I want our audience to keep in mind that we are delving into and listening to a presentation that was made more than 20 years ago, uh, more than 10 years ago in this interview, but the concepts and the ideas were 20 and 30 years ago that Pat Buchanan was raising this clarion call about the issues of the breakdown of the culture of America, of the American dream, of the things that were unifying us, of our institutions that would bring us together, the the founding fathers' ideas of this more perfect union. So, Pat Buchanan, as you talk about immigration as one of the major issues in your book, um, what is the biggest problem with uh, people coming across our borders, which you identified as a major issue that many years ago, and we still live with it today? What's your concern, major concern about the um, uh, Mexican culture, the Hispanic culture coming from south of our border. And the major problem, I think, on immigration, and these folks are Catholic folks by and large, are the folks coming in from Mexico and from Latin America. There are now 50 million. It used to be about 2 million. And it's estimated at 135 million, predominantly in the southwest. I think those folks will culturally, socially, linguistically have one foot in Mexico as well as one in the United States. You have 135 million. You have a, a fully, I mean, that's about 30 million more than there are people in Mexico. You have a nation within a nation. Okay, so once again, I want our audience to understand that this is a discussion that occurred 10, 20, 30 years ago in this country, and we're still struggling with the same issues today because politics is so dominated and have a swing back and forth about whether we're going to stop or not stop to a comprehensive immigration package, put up a wall, and we still haven't solved the problem. So let's go back to the book's ideas and what Pat Buchanan is saying. What, Pat, would you say would be some of the solutions? Are there any solutions, uh, even at the time you're talking, which is the 
uh, early and late 1990s and maybe even to the 2000. What are your solutions, your ideas? I think you've got, if, if there is a solution, this would be, this would be it, as I argue at the end of the book. Uh, first, you've got to put a security fence on the border because we're being invaded, basically. And they're not evil people, but they're coming in here because what is here is a lot better for them than what they leave at home. Do a security fence on the border and do all the things to stop illegal immigration. Legal immigration, I would halt all legal immigration except for, obviously, there are some cases like for about 250,000 a year could come in. Why are you bringing in each year one million people to work in the United States when we got 23 million people who are unemployed or underemployed? What are you doing to your own people, black, white, Asian, whatever, by bringing in new workers? It doesn't make sense. And you you mentioned legal immigration. Halt that for a while. Oh, my goodness. Some, the point is Americans are deeply ideologized, if you will, to say immigration good, and therefore we can't stop it. Something's wrong if we do. But we did stop it for 40 years. And during our first 60 years of existence as a nation, there was virtually zero. I mean, there was a very small immigration, something like 20,000, I think, in the 1820s or something like that. Right. You can't even discuss these things. And so, uh, and if you can't, then you're not going to solve it. Well, Pat Buchanan, the first part of your book on the breakdown of suicide of a nation uh, talked about immigration, and we've touched on that. I want to go to the second part of your book, which is about faith and religion. And there's three quotes I'd like to throw out for you to ultimately comment on what these might mean. Uh, Woodrow Wilson was famously... Uh, quoted as saying, America was born a Christian nation. So many people came here for religious freedom, and it was for a Christian religious freedom. Various denominations from Protestant to Mennonite uh, to Catholic and Jewish even. Harry Truman said famously as well, this is a Christian nation. But only a few years ago, Barack Obama said in a very public speech of his, we are not a Christian nation. We do not consider ourselves a Christian nation, was what he was saying. What does all that mean in terms of the breakdown of society, the breakdown of our common interests, the breakdown of our culture? Uh, Tell us what the meaning of these three different perspectives from history mean as you analyze them. Well, Christianity um, and both the Protestant Catholic versions, if you will, Catholics about one-fourth of the country or were, this is basically the cradle faith of Western civilization. The Roman Empire collapses, and you come into, quote, the Dark Ages. They weren't all that dark. Christianity basically revived Europe, created and defined the new Europe, Christian civilization, the West. That is the cradle faith. That is what holds us or held us all together as a community and as a civilization. Now, the faith is dying. It is dead, as I said. The Pope says, you know, it's a desert of godlessness in Europe. People go to a mosque in in Great Britain on Fridays then go to church on Sundays. So Christianity is dying or dead in Europe. In the United States, the number of Christians is down to 75%. For our audience, let me jump in here because... Again, this interview, this discussion was more than 10 years ago. I think today the number, the percentage of Christians in the United States, self-identified Christians, is only about 67%. So it's dropped even 
over the last decade or more from 75% to 67%. So what are the implications of this? Um, what does Pat Buchanan say about uh, where this trend is leading us? What does this mean now? It means one of the things that held us together is gone. But secondly, Christianity is the basis of your moral consensus, the moral code by which your community lives. And we know from post-1960s, look at all these cultural war issues, which all these things ripping us apart, these divisions are rooted in the death of faith in the hearts of minds, or it's non-existent, of a huge slice of the population and probably a majority of its elite. So we have basically a religious war going on in this country. Mr. Buchanan, talk about one of those social issues that breaks us apart it's certainly been the news here in the 2020s, but even back then, uh, more than 10 or 20 years ago, when you were talking about uh, abortion, talk about how abortion is breaking our moral culture down and that it made no sense even at the time you were talking about it. But let's take a look at the issue of abortion, 53 million abortions. Now, this is, I mean, in America I grew up in, that would have been comparable to what's go, what went on in the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany. People would have said that's just impossible. It was illegal in virtually every state, criminal. So what I say is if you've got no moral common, moral consensus or moral code, you don't have a community anymore. So what you're saying is as our faith, our Christianity, our Judeo-Christian beliefs, our founding fathers' basic principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness – as that sort of diminishes because our moral fiber as a country is diminishing, it's going to have a number of impacts. What impact does it have on the politics of this country? And when you, as Christianity diminishes, there's a political aspect here. Ninety percent of all presidential votes for Republicans come from nominal Christians. Ninety percent come from European Americans, white folks, Okay. That's what McCain's, I mean, with Nixon and Reagan in their landslides, they were even higher because the percentages of minority folks. Now, Christians went from 85 down to 75 percent, and they're steadily declining. Some of these, as I write, some of these traditional old Methodists, the Presbyterians, Episcopalians, those churches are disintegrating and dying. Catholic Church is in trouble. So 75 percent Christian vote continues to fall, and the white vote, which provides... 90% of Republicans is down to 74% of the electorate and 63% of the nation. It continues to fall. As that continues, and there's nothing going to stop it, as that continues, the states of Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, and Colorado go the way of California. So, Pat, for many of our audience don't know the history of California and how it used to be very Republican. And what you're saying is that whole... Southwest area is going to change in its political philosophy, in its voting patterns. And you're now talking 10, 20 years ago, and you're seeing uh, in that crystal ball what we have seen happen over that period of time. And the only thing I would say to our audience is that some of the recent changes on the political scene seem to show the pendulum maybe swinging back, that the the Hispanic population uh, who may started to vote for Democrats, maybe understanding that the parties have actually flipped and that the Republicans are more in line with their social and economic and religious perspectives. But tell us what that means historically, Pat, 
uh, going the way of California. What's California? Well, Ronald Reagan won it, ran four times in California, won it in four huge landslides. Richard Milhouse Nixon of Orange County fame. And those tickets won California every time. He got the highest majority ever gotten as of 1950 in a Senate race. He did lose the governorship. But California is gone. Well, Mr. Buchanan, I know you have also said that the ultimate answer is not in politics, per se. To really change the culture of this country is going to take something else, a religious revival. Uh, give us a short answer on what you think it's actually going to take. solution to America's problem isn't going to come even from a Ronald Reagan. It's going to take a St. Paul. Well, that's a good teaser to lead into the next segment of this hour. So let's take a quick commercial break. I want to come back and I want to get into more of your book and more of the details, your thoughts as to how this country can actually reverse its course because 10 years later after this discussion you are having, uh, we are still facing some of the same problems, and your solutions may be exactly on target, and maybe this country is ready for that kind of a change. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today we are digging up out of the archives an interview with uh, Paul Buchanan, who ran for president in 1992, who has been a conservative commentator on MSNBC before it turned ultra, ultra liberal, and he was on many programs with Crossfire and others. He's been an advisor to uh, President Reagan and President Nixon on conservative values and issues. And I think it's interesting to look back 10, 20 years at what he was saying then and what we're experiencing today. And we are wrapping up a segment on faith and religion and how this country has been moving away from faith, how the Christian uh, faith uh, voters uh, have been moving away and diminishing in, in uh, their beliefs so that it has a political impact. But his solution is not political. What he's suggesting, what Pat Buchanan is suggesting, is that the solution is to have a St. Paul rise up. In other words, to have a religious revival in this country. It doesn't have to be one person. He's using St. Paul, who converted so many thousands back in his uh, days in going around the... Um, uh, the post-Christ uh, uh, crucifixion and resurrection, he converted thousands. Well, we need that kind of a uh, religious revival in this country. And let's go back to what he was saying about the need for St. Paul and the impact or lack thereof that the church has had uh, in these last several decades. The solution to America's problem isn't going to come even from a Ronald Reagan. It's going to take a St. Paul. Because this is what you are talking about, reconverting an entire nation 
away from the direction in which it is going. And that is why there is such pessimism in this book. Look at how far they've moved the frontier of the state into the church and overwhelmed it thus far to the point where our backs are against the wall and suddenly we decide, hey, they're going to run right over us unless we fight. Suggest to me that, uh, I mean, mean, the retreat has been long and ignominious. Okay, let's move on to the third segment of your book, and that's around trade. Now, that's still 10 years after this discussion that we're going to go through here in a few seconds. Um, That's still a big issue about worldwide trade, globalization, are things being made in China cheaper, or they, can they be made in the United States uh, with increased productivity or with costs that are not that much more? Are Americans willing to pay for that extra cost if it's done here? What about our supply chain issues that we're seeing now in the 2020s that were so devastated by moving so much overseas? Tell us your thinking about uh, free trade and the globalization that was beginning uh, in the early 2000s, becomes sort of the dominant ideology. Let's make this all one new world order, as George Bush used to say. I used to be a free trader, a Milton Friedmanite free trader. I was a free trader, but take a look at the consequences of this doctrine, this policy we have all believed in, conservatives, from not, certainly from 1960 when I was entered the movement. And I've been out here, and I'm taking a look at these consequences, and it is creating a disaster. And I said, if you go with NAFTA and GATT and the World Trade Organization and take this nation with the highest standard of living in the world, the highest wages, the toughest regulations on manufacturing, and you drop it into a pool where there's about a billion foreign workers who will work for one-tenth of it, you will lose every manufacturing job in the United States. In the last decade, the Bush II decade, the United States lost 55,000 factories and 6 million manufacturing jobs, one of every three we had in the United States of America. And that's what gets me a little agitated about seeing these Republicans, all of them out there, free trade Republicans, saying we got to get manufacturing back. They all voted for NAFTA. They all voted for GATT. They all went with the World Trade Organization. They all went with MFN for China. And look at last year alone. The Chinese, we sold $100 billion worth of products to the Chinese, a lot of it raw materials and stuff, and they sold us $400 billion. They were a $300 billion trade surplus, and they're taking that money, and they're moving all over the world and buying resources up. Once again, for our audience, this interview was conducted more than uh, 10, 12 years ago, and the ideas that Pat Buchanan is throwing out went another decade or two before that that he was talking about it and being excoriated by Republicans. This idea of free trade and moving manufacturing over to China. And guess what it means? You and I both know if we're conservative, this meant the rise ultimately of Donald Trump because Donald Trump ran his campaign on the immigration issues that um, Buchanan raised and the need for a wall. He raised it on his campaign on the trade issues, the imbalance between the United States and China and bringing back manufacturing to the United States. Many of you may famously remember Obama in the campaign against uh, when he was working against um, uh, Donald Trump and he was campaigning for uh, Hillary Clinton as an ex-president. He said, well, what's Trump going to do? Wave a magic wand and bring these jobs back? They're never coming back. Well, the reality is that he waved his magic wand of conservatism 
and those jobs came back, and the manufacturing started up in the United States, and our economy boomed, not only with manufacturing, but with uh, energy being lowered, with his uh, emphasis on the on the, on the military and border security and the policing and and uh, uh, removing crime from our cities and streets by supporting police. All that was happening under Donald Trump. So there was a precursor here of what uh, Pat Buchanan was being excoriated for in his time became a big political item that swept the Republicans into office. And I think now most conservative Republicans are on the America First agenda rather than maybe where they were uh, 10 or 20 years ago in supporting the idea of taking stuff overseas to create cheaper products for Americans to buy. Well, Mr. Buchanan, is there a history of undeveloped countries or early stage developing countries using some of the similar tactics that we see in China today? And what was the impact on those countries and then the countries that kind of opened up uh, with free trade and allowed those countries to uh, prosper? What? Give us a little bit of a history lesson there. They are practicing what our forefathers practiced in the 19th century, and we're acting like the British, the Cobdenites, and all the rest of that crowd in the British Empire who blew it in the second half of the 19th century by practicing free trade while the Americans dumped products into their markets and protected our own with a tariff. So, Mr. Buchanan, let's break this down because what we're talking about is really underneath all of the trade is the education, the skills, the capabilities of American citizens. How do we get their skills such that they can produce goods and services that other want to buy, whether it's others in this country or others in, in foreign countries. We need to make some changes. What is, what is your view? How do you look at the educational system and the capabilities of the United States uh, to produce its own products and goods? My view is this. There's a lot of people in this country, a number of them, who really do not have the academic skills and abilities or natural academic abilities to do college work in the various, in, in all kinds of studies. However, they have always been more than able to do work with their hands, tools, and machines. At one point, we produced 42% of all the world produced in manufacturers. Americans built of the war, machines of war, I think, half of all the machines of war used on both sides in World War II. My view is very simple. If it can be made here, it should be made here. I don't believe in global free trade, putting Americans making 30 or 20 bucks an hour into competition with folks making two bucks an hour. Once again, in this idea of America first, which you were espousing uh, decades ago, that we're only now seeing the Republicans embrace, the conservative movement embrace, bringing jobs back to the United States for multiple reasons. You were saying this a long time ago. For many people during that period of time, they were just saying, well, just give us a level playing field and we'll work it out. But what's been your response to this idea of globalization if we just have a level playing field? Because that clearly didn't happen and it's not happening today. People talk about a level playing field. Vince Lombardi did not say, all I want is a level playing field. He said winning is the only thing. And we ought to realize this, you know, this is a rivalry, a competition. It's not war. But it's a lot closer to war than it is to uh, what these folks are talking about. And I think, what, here's what I would do. 
So what would you do to be able to compete with the Chinese? Because you're saying this 10, 15, 20 years ago. And let's compare this now. Our audience can sort of see the the value of looking back in time and seeing what was being proposed and then what was implemented many years after Pat Buchanan was talking. But what were some of the solutions that you were talking about way back when that might have been a precursor again to a Donald Trump and his policies. Put a 30% tariff on all man, all manufactured goods or all goods entering the United States. I'd give you $600 billion. Eliminate all corporate taxation in the United States. What co- companies would say, let's say Toyota gets its cars assembled here and say, look, if we send in the parts, the drivetrains, batteries, tires, all those things, from here they're going to play a 30% tariff. Why don't we just move our factory there and produce there? That's what countries do. Economic patriotism, just the idea that we are in competition, healthy competition with other countries, and forget about the global economy because nobody else is thinking about that. Everybody else is thinking about themselves. Once again, to our audience, we are talking to Pat Buchanan from a presentation he made a decade or more ago. And what he's laying out here is what actually happened under Donald Trump. He increased the tariffs to the Chinese goods that were coming to the United States and cut the corporate tax rate so that the products didn't go up just because there were tariffs on China. It went down as well because he cut the corporate tax rate so everybody could come and compete in the United States. Is that the real model that you're laying out here, uh, Mr. Buchanan? Listen, you bring these things back to the United States, well, everybody's going to have to compete here. The idea that, I mean, as long as you got that tariff, you take all that revenue, cut the taxes on producers here, and there will beat everybody in the world. But I do believe in national borders for markets. What kind of globalist says it's a good thing if our factories move from here to China? The Chinese are sacrificing now. They're sacrificing the present for the future. And we're sacrificing the future for the present. They will own the future as we own the present. That is such an important concept that we need to keep it front and center in our minds that we are so in this country. I want it today. I want it now. And we're always about the present and not so much about the future. And I think it's the Chinese culture, the Chinese uh, religion the um, the way they have uh, built into their culture a look into the future. They have a longer time horizon than we do in the West. And so let's take a break right now and let's come back and continue this discussion of the new book that um, uh, that Pat Buchanan put out over a decade ago called Suicide of a Superpower and Why the United States is Falling Way Behind a Country Like China. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. 
I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the final segment of America's Web Radio program, Healthcare Insight. And today we have been talking about a number of issues related to the book by um, Patrick Buchanan. And his book is called Suicide of a Superpower. This information in this book and the teachings and preachings, if you will, of Patrick Buchanan We're going on 20 and 30 years ago, but I think they are certainly insightful to what's happening today because he was talking about it a long time ago. Patrick Buchanan has since passed away, but his words ring true today. And so I wanted to take a look back because we have so many political pundits that make projections and predictions about what's happening in the future. and Very few are as clear in their prophecies, if you will, about what's going to happen if certain trends in our society and our politics and our religious beliefs, all those things uh, Patrick Buchanan talked about. But maybe even more important to be sure that we are listening to voices of different opinions. He was ridiculed in his day. He was called a racist. He was called a Nazi. He was called a white supremacist. But he was true in what he was saying, but the people didn't want to hear it. And now it's even getting worse in many of these areas, as he predicted. So I want to talk about the third segment of his book, and that is about empires and how empires tend to collapse from within. And so I want to talk to him about a couple of foreign uh, interventions and how our presidents have properly or mistakenly engaged the United States in foreign wars. So let me ask him first to explain what his thoughts were about President Eisenhower as we get past the World War II and we've gotten into the Korean War era. So now let's hear what he has to say about his comments about um, Eisenhower, and then we'll talk about a couple of other presidents as well and their war or lack of interest in being globalists. But let me say about Eisenhower, look what he did. He came in and he said, this war is bleeding us to death. Korea. Korea. And he said, I'm going to end it in six months. And the Chinese hesitated and he said, if you don't come to the table and talk, we're taking all the limits off what we're going to use on you fellas. Chinese came to the table. He did the same thing in the Taiwan Straits in 58. He sent, you know, these eight-inch mortars over there and the guys knew eight-inch mortars were atomic capable. 
So Ike was a very tough guy, but he didn't want to get it. He'd seen war. He didn't want to get his country into another war. And I think he did a tremendous job building up our defenses. Reagan, Reagan believed in building up and dealing from strength and looking at the Soviets who believed in that. Reagan can lay out all these cards. This is everything we got economically, militarily, et cetera. Now let's deal. And I think I believe in that. So clearly, Patrick Buchanan is against foreign wars and foreign interventions, which actually came around more to the Republican perspective of a Donald Trump. Before that, you had what some would refer to as the neocons, the Republicans who enjoyed and encouraged foreign intervention as if we were going to spread democracy and freedom and liberty to people who have never experienced it or to places like Afghanistan, which is still very uh, tribal and very um, uh, backwards as a country, not ready for uh, democracy or the kind of liberties and, and institutional structures that we have. So let me ask Patrick Buchanan again, thinking that he is talking 10 or 20 years ago now about an, another set of presidents, the Bushes, Bush one and Bush two, and how their globalist perspective really changed our foreign policy uh, to our detriment. In the Bush one and Bush two, uh, I remember late Hugh Sidey told me, you know, Hugh Sidey said, you know, they're going to have to take this, tear this guy's finger off the trigger here. I mean, he was Bush one was in Somalia, he was all Haiti, I mean, he was in Panama, and he, you know, Desert Storm, and he loved doing all that New World Order stuff. And um, and what is it all? What does it all come to now? I mean, what have we done? We've done Panama, we've done Haiti, we've done Somalia, we've done uh, Desert Storm, we've done uh, Gulf War, we've done Libya, we've done all these pl- Afghanistan, all these places. What have all these things availed the United States in the last twenty years as we have steadily begun to lose global leadership to China, which hasn't gotten itself, it seems, into any wars? What okay. have all these wars availed America? Now remember, audience, this is more than 10 years ago, before even the second term of the Obama administration, let alone well before Trump. And what Pat Buchanan is saying uh, about uh, foreign wars not yielding us any positive results in the United States is exactly the position that President Trump took many years later. Now, I want to go back. He sort of uh, threw in Afghanistan at the end. Let's hear what he had to say about Afghanistan uh, many years ago before even um, Trump suggested we get out and have a plan to get out. And then the disaster of the Biden administration. But listen to what Pat Buchanan was saying a long time ago about the problems of us being involved in Afghanistan. On Afghanistan, I would agree with this, all of us. Uh, once the, you you ran down that massacre of 3,000 Americans to right. al-Qaeda and you tell the Taliban, turn these SOBs over to us or we're going to come get them. Right. And the Taliban says, no, we said we're going to ask you one more time. Turn them over, we're going to come get you. And they don't do it. I agreed 100% with going in there, knocking over the Taliban, going to Tora Bora, capturing or killing the people that did that. But at that point, we should have gone back to... Kabul and said, you see what happens when this happens to us? It happens to you. Now, don't let it happen again, or next time it's going to be worse. Goodbye and good luck. What are we doing in there trying to build a nation out of this 7th century civilization over there? Oh, if only we had listened to Patrick Buchanan uh, more than 10 years ago. 
we just saved ourselves a lot of lives lost and, and trillions of dollars that were wasted in um, uh, foreign countries, in Afghanistan in particular. So let's find out how much um, he would withdraw or he was suggesting we should withdraw from around the world because in his book he makes a statement. The more we shrink our defensive perimeter, the greater the gain in national unity behind foreign policies. In other words, the sooner we back off from being the world's policemen, the more unity we will have in the United States about solving our own problems and still protecting our interests around the world, but not with troops on the ground. So let me go back to Patrick Buchanan and get his insights on what we should do about, for example, um, 30,000 troops that are in South Korea. Does that make any sense? Bring them out and confine yourself. Tell the South Koreans you've got an economy that's 40 times as large as the North, population twice as large as the North. We've got about 28,000 troops in there. We're going to take them off the DMZ with their hostages. You put the, uh, you put your troops there. American naval and air power will continue to surround the area. But we're not fighting another land war in South Korea. Notice that many years later, Donald Trump was doing exactly what Buchanan was suggesting. Reduce our land troops dramatically in Europe, in Asia, in Korea, all those different areas. But what was Buchanan saying about our Navy, which, again, I think is exactly what was happening in the Trump administration. So let's hear what he had to say about our need for naval power. The Navy needs to be very, very strong because basically we are an island continent. It's got to be strong because that's one of the, basically, you have to be able to project power and force on adversaries. But anybody that recommends the United States fight another land war on the Asian continent ought to have his head examined. Patrick Buchanan saw the extremism of the liberal movement at that point moving further and further left. I'm not sure he fully understood the socialistic uh, tendencies that we see today, and even the Marxist um, uh, movement that's going on within this country. But he was clearly on the front lines of fighting against its beginning and raising red flags and warnings that this country is moving in the wrong direction. He was very controversial, very boisterous about his opinion and did not back up uh, from anyone who challenged his ideas, disrespected him, tried to paint him as a racist. So let's go back to Patrick Buchanan and understand why he was so strong in his opinions and was willing uh, to take those slings and arrows of outrageous fortune of people going against him uh, because his point that he wanted to make was so important. I do know this. If you, in this day and age, if you're not called some names and you've been in journalism as long as I have, then you probably haven't said anything very much worthwhile, in my judgment. Uh, I mean, because of the nature and character where the country is going. When they, what are all these terms, racist, sexist, homophobic? They all say, they're all the same thing. They're synonyms for heretic. And what I am is a heretic to the conventional wisdom as it moves further and further left, and you, you're more and more outside. Things in that, I mean, my views in that book, uh, many of them would not even have been controversial had they been written a while ago. But I think the country is moving this way, right. and I don't like where it's going. 
And I think the what I've said in that book, I wouldn't take back a single word. They don't like that title, "End of White America," the cover of the Atlantic magazine. Right. But you got all these, you got all these columnists saying, it. "What is isn't going to be great in 2042 when the when the European or white populations in a minority?" And I asked myself, "Hey, wait a minute! When people look like me are in a minority, we're going to be a better country? Why?" You know, audience listening to this, many criticize Pat Buchanan years ago as wanting to live in the 1950s, uh, mainly as a as a hit against him because that was before the civil rights and changes that was needed in this country in the mid-60s. But 1950s had a lot of benefits. Let's hear Patrick Buchanan talk about the benefits of the 1950s. I think America, as I said, in the Eisenhower-Kennedy era uh, was a good country, a great country, the first country in the world. We had won World War II. We were leading the world in the Cold War. It was a united country. Uh, in, in many ways, post-1960, we have never really gotten that back. And what that book says is, uh, I've come to the conclusion we ain't never going to get back the unity and the cohesion and the, and the sense of one nation, one people under God that we had then. So we've heard many of the predictions and projections of Patrick Buchanan. Many of those areas have only gotten worse. Yes, we've tried some solutions. We've had Ronald Reagan. We've had a uh, Donald Trump in the meantime. But let's go back to Patrick Buchanan and say, what is the real solution? Is it a political solution or is it something else? But if you're talking about the disintegration of a society, its breakdown morally, culturally, politically, I think, as I said, you need a uh, you need a St. Paul. You don't need a Ronald Reagan. And I think that uh, we've moved beyond that. I mean, take a look at this world. I got a chapter in there about a disintegrating world along the lines first of ethnicity and race, and secondly of religious fundamentalism. Wow, audience! I hope you have enjoyed these words from the past, and how some people who may be controversial at a given time are, in fact, the ones we should be listening to the most because if they've got a good, different view of the future and the trends that are happening, maybe we should listen to them a little bit more. We certainly should have listened more to Pat Buchanan, and thank goodness some of his ideas were implemented, but many more have yet to be implemented, that we need them more today than ever before. Well, join us again next week on America's Web Radio for Healthcare Insight and more on the politics, domestic and foreign of our country and other ideas that might stimulate your understanding of what's going on in the world around you. See you next week. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.